Howdy, partners. Today, we're going to talk about Nearbound. We're going to dig into like what Nearbound is and how it can help accelerate partnership programs. But before we do, I wanted to hand it over to you just to introduce yourself, where you're working, uh, and then really just dig into Nearbound. Currently, I sort of serve as head of partner accounts at Reveal. Uh, it's kind of a, a newly crowned position. Uh, prior to Reveal, I was with a company called Drift, where I was head of global partnerships, Terminus, VP partnerships, and PFL, uh, where I was uh, all things partnerships, a director of strategic alliances, I think was my title. But there I was running about 50 plus partnerships. And so really, you know, got a chance to cut my teeth on, you know, accelerating partnerships and building the nearbound motion out and kind of figuring it all out. And before that, I came from you know, a wide world of, of uh, opportunities and careers. So I was working big in the agency world and learning how to build relationships with SAPs and oracles and stuff like that. So I've kind of been around the game, building relationships and, you know, kind of building those purpose-built relationships that produce and generate revenue, which kind of getting to your point is like where I believe, you know, Nearbound sits, right? Nearbound is really your ecosystem, so to say, your community. So you know, PFL and Drift that was building out, you know, relationships and partnerships with ISVs, SIs, alliances, Salesforce, Marketo, all the, the buzzwords of partnerships. And that became our ecosystem, which essentially is your community. And if you think about it from a community aspect, it's those people that you're getting closest to for the sake of, you know, driving some sort of, you know, return or revenue or ROI. But, you know, but before it becomes that, it has to start at the relationship perspective. Right. And once you begin to do that, you can leverage the power of your ecosystem and your community. And I think that is nearbound when you can begin to leverage the power of that community and, and what it looks like to to build revenue and to build a you know proper funnel. Yeah. And I think um you've found your way into this role uh for good reason because you were already living through all of the like nearbound um fundamentals. And so uh, first tell us about the initiative that you had, I don't know when it started, but the, the coffee chats and how that has been not only part of the partnering and nearbound ethos, but how it's actually resulted in like hard opportunities. Uh, tell us about, you know, kind of the origin story of that and what the partnering result was from helping people out. Yeah, it's been really fascinating and fun to to launch. So I initially launched them back in 2020 when COVID and lockdown, everybody got sent home to work. I've been working from home and remote for the better part of my career since 2006. So working from home was a natural motion for me. And I knew a lot of people were struggling with it. So I started these coffee chats as a way to connect with people. Just say, hey, let's let's have some conversations. Let's jump in. What questions do you have about you know working remote? You, people, a lot of people were getting laid off during COVID. How can I help you, you know, maybe find the next career, get, make an introduction, make a connection. And that's kind of the purpose of these coffee chats is to help and to serve and what, what I'm calling make the circle bigger, which we'll get to that in a second. Um, so they went really well. So at PFL during, during COVID, I was north of 30% of all net new AOR coming in. And a lot of that was stemming from these coffee chats, these conversations that I was having. I was getting a chance to have these talks, but also at the same time, it became like a unexpected lead generation source. And I was getting to, to put these people in pipe, have a conversation like, oh, what is PFL? 
oh, we kind of need that. We could use that. And I was talking to partners. We were having these coffee conversations and odds and ends of people were jumping in. So they, you know, ended up shutting those down. They get kind of busy and then kicked them back up during my uh, last tenure of what I called fun employment. So after I left Drift, I was like, you know, what's, what, what can I do to, to help other people in this situation? You know, tech riffs and layoffs were very familiar with what's going on there. So again, how can I help? So I was like, let's, let's spin these coffee chats back up. And dude, I did not expect what happened after I did. I ended up having to turn the, the, the link off because from May, I think it was March 24th to April 11th, every single slot that I had available. So from nine to 12 in the mornings were booked solid. I did not expect that to happen. They took on just a whole life of their own. So I was no longer fun employed. I was, you know, having these coffee conversations, you know, and, and getting a chance to to chat with people as a conversationalist, but by, by profession, I guess. And the weird and unique thing I, again, did not expect was I think 40% of all these calls, which there were 75 in total, I think, um, if I did the math correctly, but probably didn't. But about 40% of those were people that I did not know, were not connected to on LinkedIn. They just happened to find the post and we're like, oh, hey, I see, saw a friend comment on this or a friend did this with you. And I wanted to chat and have a conversation. They got some value out of it. And so these people that I didn't know were jumping in. So the, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. That what was happening was like my circle was getting bigger as a result. Like the nearbound effect was taking place. People were commenting. They were sharing the, 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 what I was doing and, and the value that they were getting out of it. The trust factor, which is a huge piece of nearbound, was was being shared and spread and these other people were jumping in and my circle began to get bigger. And what happens when your circle gets bigger? You have more value to add. You you have you have a broader circle to 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 kind of leverage the power of. Right. And so I was able to introduce more people to more people. But on top of that, knowing that I was starting the job with Reveal, I was able to have that conversation because Jared and I had already been deep in talks and I knew it was going to happen. So I came into Reveal with, you know, essentially 17 demos to run and conversations to launch once I got started. So like my ramp up here was like, oh, hey, yeah, here's a list of all these target accounts that I need of people that I've talked to that are now interested in hearing about Reveal, interested in hearing more about Nearbound. So, you know, as a result, this brand of, you know, conversations, coffee, chat began to produce something actual out of it. Yeah. And the so there are a couple of things I want to pull out of that as like a summary is, one, helping created opportunities, like hard pipeline opportunities, not just for going to your next position, but the experience that you had at, uh, at PFL, like you said, it created pipeline opportunities, uh, you know, meeting people that you didn't know. And so that is one of the, in my opinion, the most powerful things that you can pull from what Jason just talked about, which was when you help people, opportunities come your way. Uh, yeah. The second thing is uh, you mentioned expanding the the circle and uh, expanding like the, the near bound effect. And I've, I've had this thought to myself over the last, I don't know, five years or so on how can I increase my luck surface area? And that's through meeting more people because the more people you know, the more potential opportunities you'll come across because you never know. And I think it's really interesting how especially for you being in partnerships and then helping partnerships people, it not only 
uh, I imagine it was like a really good negotiation lever for saying, hey, I want to get into this role. And oh, by the way, if you don't hire me, you know, there's these opportunities that are, you know, I'm still going to help them, but it's not going to be specific to you. And so I, I just love that so much because it's one part, the partnering ethos and nearbound. It's another part, this uh, benefit to your career as well, that I think, um, you know, if there's any more junior people in their career, and I would consider myself a bit more junior in my career, is like, that is a massive lesson that you need to take and implement because like we just witnessed, it literally creates opportunities and then situates you as such a like powerful position um, for consideration. Absolutely. And you, you were asking a question before we got started around like branding and partnerships. And I think that's been a little bit of what I feel like I've done well is early on at PFL, I, I established kind of this brand, right? And with that, I began to build great relationships, people that I'm still friends with that I partnered with back then that I haven't partnered with since, still great friends with them. And, you know, during this this time of, you know, fun employment, I was unfortunately impacted by the tech rifts when I was at, at Drift. And, you know, for me, I felt very fortunate in that I had a really great community, I had a very large circle. And once once I got word out, that circle got to work, right? Because, you know, when when you have that circle in that community, when you invest time into providing value to that community in that circle, when it comes time, I guarantee you that that, that circle is going to provide value to you when you need it. And when you bring that circle with you, I've brought that circle with me to, from from stop to stop to stop. And now it's here with me at Reveal. And that, that has a huge impact. And I feel very fortunate that my my, my layoff stint didn't last very long at all, but I, you know, it's, it's because I've intentionally built this community and I've intentionally enlarged the circle. You can never like devalue or like put a true value to intentionally building trust. And, and I think it's beyond what maybe a partner professional thinks of like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm getting to know new partners or have existing partners. And I feel like we have a good rapport. We have a good relationship. But it's it's being able to stop worrying about overextending yourself to build trust. And I, I think about like Will at our time at, at Vidyard, you know, I came from the digital agency side. I worked at a HubSpot agency. So that translates really nice into working in a channel ecosystem where we're working with HubSpot partners. And on top of that, I've I've had the opportunity to like build out some net new stuff, like launching a video production department on the agency side and and why that's important is like when I start talking to partners that are in the same ecosystem, we're like, you know what? We know the we know the importance of video as a content medium, and we're thinking about going down this. Well, now, you know, I have this pull, push and pull of well, I could push myself and overextend and build a lot more trust than they're expecting me to do by helping to consult around what it takes to do that. Versus like the pull of eh, is this going outside of like my goals, my opportunities, and all that to say it's hard to find that balance, but I think it, you're speaking to the leverage points of like, if you extend yourself beyond just your typical trust building exercises, it's going to provide value. It's going to pay off dividends. And it, I, I just want kind of like where, where that's heading. I've kept this note on my desk for five years. The wind just blew it off, which is why I had to reach down and pick it up. But it's, it's a post-it note. This is value breach, trust, trust creates relationships and relationships create ROI reason I keep that is like that, that beginning lever to getting what you're talking about trust is that value. Anytime I've come into a new role, taken on a new role, a new program, 
my first con- my my first thing I do is I talk to the partners. Like what's and I ask them a few questions. What's right? What's wrong? What's missing? What's confused? What's what's going to make me your best partner? Where can I invest time and energy to becoming your best partner? And nine times out of ten, it's about being a resource. And what does a resource require? It requires you giving them value. And if you truly listen and you provide the value that they're looking for out of the partnership and the relationship, they're going to they're they're going to trust you. Then you've got the relationship, and then you can can begin you know making those big ask. In your experience of the nearbound ethos, what have been some of the challenges? I guess more of the common challenges that you face. I mean, I'll tell you, like it it can be exhausting, right? If you're extending trust, so like from a personal level, it might be you know you're feeling kind of the anxiety stress. But just overall, what do you see as some of the challenges that people need to be aware of as they start to think about nearbound as a tactic? That's a that's a good question. I mean, it can go kind of both ways. You've got your your internal challenges of getting the true buy in from nearbound. I don't. I haven't had a, a stop yet where there hasn't been some sort of internal challenge and in, in a buy-in. Hopefully, working at a partner technology company now, I'm going to re- face re- less resistance on that side of things. But you know, previous you know roles, it's it's always been an enablement issue around kind of getting the nearbound buy-in and, and support. You know, typically you're looking at a good if you don't have that level of buy-in from the field team, um, you're looking at a good we'll call it eight to twelve months to the point like anywhere I've been. My kind of guiding mantra has been to be fully and natively incorporated into the field team's daily activities so that I can get that full buy-in, right? And ex- externally on the outside, it's, it's about, you know, the, the we'll call it the give and get, right? Some partners are going to try to get more out of you than they're giving. Sometimes you could be the guilty one of the trying to get more than you're giving, and so trying to just trying to find a good, healthy balance within those partnerships and relationships and in your nearbound strategy can become, you know, a little bit of a, a, an obstacle and a hurdle to overcome. And then how do you begin to, to prioritize and operationalize the work that you're doing within your nearbound? Because at some point, like it's, 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 it's cool. It's fun to have, you know, lots of partners and lots of good relationships. But at some point in the game, you got to come to the table with a real strategy and you got to be able to operationalize that and you got to be able to effectively build strategy around it and take it to market. For people that that want to give this a go, what are what are those tactical kind of recommendations? Like what are the two, one to two things that you would say like what do they need to focus on? Like I think we talked about community and stuff like that. I'm not great at community. I'm horrible at LinkedIn and that's okay. Um but what do you think are the most important pieces for our our audience to take away from an advice standpoint? I think there's, this is kind of all coming from my experience. There's a few things you need to get really good at, right? I think one of those is that, that community building aspect of it, right? Because at the end of the day, we are trying to build a community and sort of within that, how do you become kind of that thought leader in that community, right? We've, we'll, we'll use our, our friend Will here is an example. We've all watched Will kind of rise up in the community of partnerships and now become a trusted advisor, thought leader. He's everywhere you look, you know, and that's kind of what it, I think part of what it takes right now to kind of gather the attention and to make the circles bigger from a nearbound perspective in order to to build solid, strong partnerships, right? People want to be people want to be attached to those that have a great brand that have great thought leadership, great um, opportunities to be to be elevated, to be promoted and shared. 
The other things you want to get get really good at is enablement. Back to the challenges piece of it, I would say ten times out of ten, the challenges you're going to face all can be solved and and are going to be they're going to revolve and can be solved via good enablement internally. You gotta you gotta be able to to create strong enablement. You gotta be able to tell the story really well externally with your partners. You got to be able to understand what it takes to build that path to value. And a lot of that's going to you know, be listening to your partners, understand what they want. So get really good at enablement and, and kind of the, the storytelling and the narrative of your you know, JVPs therein. And the third piece of it is I think you get really, and this can be tied into the first one, is like getting really good at marketing. I think most partner people come in are typically pretty good at the, the sales aspect of it. They understand, you know, driving revenue and stuff like that. I think where some of the missing pieces really come in is like, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you go faster? How do you go further faster? Right. And a lot of that's going to be built on what you can do from a marketing perspective. Right. When I was at Drift, I was brought in to kind of build and run the tech partner program and having partners involved in any sort of co-marketing opportunity or offer that, that, that we called it was kind of an afterthought of, for partners. But by the time I left, it was, Every partner had to have, every marketing offer had to have a partner attached to it. So now the goal is like 75% of what they're doing is all partner, partner led from a marketing standpoint. And that wouldn't have happened if I didn't come in and I was, I was focused first and foremost on how to get marketing more involved in our partnerships. Uh, well, Jason, thank you guys so much. And uh, we will catch you all next time on Howdy Partners. Appreciate it, guys.